be seated. Our second scripture reading today is found in Matthew chapter 13. I'll be reading verses 1 through 9 and then 18 through 23. Your Bible might entitle this, The Parable of the Sower. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. And then verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown upon the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. And for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So you have a bulletin insert that asks you to name a characteristic of an ideal church member. Y'all are good. Y'all are good. It's as if you've met this person. Okay? Of course, I Googled it. Googled almost everything. And uh, found several lists of what it means to be an ideal church member. Some from folks that I had read before and some from folks I've never read before and might not read again. I don't know. Uh, but I just compiled a list of some of the things that, that I read about and some of the ones you've already uh, given us. An ideal church member understands and identifies with the goals of your church. <laughs> and I'm sure that is on our minds every day, what the goals of our church are. Attends worship regularly, feels a sense of spiritual progress, has taken a formal step of affiliation with your church, has friends in your church. Well, that's, that's nice, a, a church member that has friends. It's good to have friends in your church, okay? is using his or her spiritual gift. Andy, there's your favorite one, I know, okay. Is involved in a fellowship group. Well, you know, with us being Olive Branch Fellowship, it's kind of like, hey, I think we've got that one, okay. Um, Tithes to the church. Oh, yes. Is witnessing to friends and family. Spends time with God in prayer. Gives with a cheerful heart. Encourages others takes care of family, takes care of self, 
welcomes all newcomers, uplifts Jesus every day, believes and loves God's word, grows in prayer, builds on faith, puts God's will first, supports the pastor in the church. I like that one. Yeah, I got an amen on that. Uh, maintains a friendly church. So you combine what you said with all of these, and it's like, whoa, what a church member. My goodness, what a Christian for that matter. Now, that's the kind of church member we need to be on the lookout for. I wonder if we compiled these characteristics into a survey. I told you I was going to talk about a test later. If we compile these characteristics into a survey and then went door to door in our neighborhood and asked people to rate themselves on a scale from 1 to 10 on how accurate these statements describe them, what kind of response do you think we would get? A Andy, that would be a perfect job for you and me to go door to door with a survey asking these questions. We could just say, look, folks, we're going to cut to the chase. We're going to be honest with you. We're going to be transparent. We're not looking for just anybody to join our church. We have a minimum total score required on this survey for potential church members. Take the survey. It'll only take you a few minutes. Please be honest with your replies, and we'll tally the results. Now, don't feel bad if you don't make the minimum score. You can try to improve, and we'll come back later and check in with you. That is, if your first attempt was close to passing, <laughs> if it wasn't, we probably won't come back and check with you. Of course, this is assuming that those of us already on the inside have made the minimum score, right? I mean... We could certainly pass this test that we're asking others to pass, couldn't we? I mean, we wouldn't be on the inside if we couldn't pass the test, right? All this silliness about a survey begs the question. Who does belong among us? To whom are we called to try and reach? Today's scripture is commonly called the parable of the sower, or the farmer, if you prefer. I've preached on it before, and the title of that sermon was The Extravagant Farmer. In the parable, God is the farmer or the sower. The seed that is scattered is the message of the kingdom of God. Jesus explains that some seed falls onto the path, some onto the rocks, some into thorns, and some into the good soil. The picture that we get is a farmer with a bag of seeds under one arm, and he or she is just reaching in and grabbing handfuls of seed, and even pulling out of the bag, the seed is falling from the hand, and they're just scattering the seed willy-nilly, not mattering, no concern whether the seed falls onto good soil or not, just seed everywhere. And even the amateur gardener, Peter, which you're not, but I know, I know what you're thinking and I know you just commented under your breath, even the amateur gardener will know this is certainly not the most efficient method of planting 
in order to get that good and healthy plant, in order to maximize production. But of course, as we know with these stories or parables from Jesus, the obvious is not necessarily the point of the story. Jesus gives us some bonus material as he explains that the different types of soil represent different types of people. And the point is that God is the extravagant farmer, scattering his message to everyone, to all kinds of people. But here's the catch. How is God's message scattered? Who does the scattering of the seed that represents God's kingdom? Well, for one answer to that question, we turn to Romans 10. Paul, writing, says this, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him, believe in God? And how can they believe in God if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, and he quotes Isaiah here, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So you see, it's as if all of us are farmers or sowers, if you will, by proxy. As believers, we are also sowers of the seed called the message of the kingdom of God. But that's where things get a little sticky. For you see, we are stingy sowers. Go ahead and admit it. Don't believe me? Well, just ponder the list of characteristics of the ideal church member. We are prone to picking and choosing those people who fit a particular profile before we're even willing to scatter seed in their direction. I don't like to admit it, but it's true. You see, we tend to sow spiritual seeds the same way we sow gardening seeds. In the back of our minds, we're saying, you know, with all due respect, God, your way of scattering seed just is not efficient. Peter, that's what you were saying. Just not efficient. It can be wasteful even as if we're not wasteful in other areas of our lives. But again, when we display this attitude, we're really missing the intention of the parable. Jesus is not giving us advice on farming techniques. What he is giving us is the good news that God's grace and mercy through a relationship with Jesus Christ is in fact available to everyone. Now, will everyone respond? No. Will everyone turn out to be the soil that accepts Jesus and grows in him? No. But our job as sowers is simply to scatter the seed. We are not the ones to determine who is rocky or who is thorny. Our job is not to decide whether a person represents the hardened path or the good soil. Really, our job is kind of easy when you think about it. I mean, we just have to scatter seeds. We don't have to worry about how perfect the rows look. We don't have to worry about any part of that process. We just scatter the seeds. 
of the good news of the kingdom of God. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he responded to a disagreement among the church folk over whether they were to be loyal to Paul or to Apollos. Note his response using some agricultural terms here as well. He writes, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. I mean, think about it. How can we tell who will respond to God's message and who will not? I mean, really? Can we tell by looking at them? Their hairstyle, maybe. Corey just, you know, got kind of, you know, that was their hairstyle, their skin color, where they live, what they do for a living, how much money they have, what kind of car they drive, what their hobbies are, where they choose to hang out, what sports fans they are. How can we tell? How can we, in our limited wisdom and knowledge, in our own brokenness, know who is rocky or who is thorny or who is hardened or who is good soil? Folks, the answer is that we cannot know. We absolutely cannot know the answer to that question. I mean, look at the, look at the Apostle Paul himself. Don't you know there were followers of Christ during that day who would have thought that Saul was the last person on the face of the earth who would respond favorably to the message of the good news. Don't scatter seed in his direction. You'd be wasting your time, wasting your effort. And be careful, you might end up being persecuted or arrested in the process. And here I am today quoting the Apostle Paul in a sermon. Go figure. Now here's the thing. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. And so I guess what occurs to me is that we all need to be reminded how to keep from having the attitude of the stingy sower. A good start is to make sure that we always welcome whoever walks through those doors. And not just to welcome them, but to express enthusiasm and excitement that they have chosen to walk through those doors. To treat everyone the same, whether they look or act or think like we do. I've said it over and over. Every time someone decides to join our effort here, we find ourselves being thankful they have become a part of what we do in this place. And in some sense, that's the easy part. That is, welcoming good soil folks to be a part of this group where there's plenty of good soil already. But what about the others? The thorny, the rocky, the hardened. A prime example would be the folks who come to our backpack giveaways, our Christmas toy giveaways, our fun days, Our backpack giveaway is coming up in a couple of weeks. And I want to ask you a very easy question. 
as a result of all these events through all the years we've been doing them, has one person from these events ever joined our church? It's an easy question because the answer is no. Okay. Do we know if anyone from any of these events has ever become a follower of Christ as a result of attending our event? Do we know that? No, we don't know that. And so because of our answers to those questions, it can be tempting to fall into the following mindset. The same people keep showing up year after year. Don't they ever get a job so they can buy their own school supplies? I mean, look what kind of car they drive. It's better than my car. You'd think they could afford some school supplies. Just saying. What if they're not from Olive Branch? What if they're coming from Memphis with us being Olive Branch Fellowship? Aren't there places in Memphis where they can get their supplies? And aren't the lists different in Memphis? I mean, they might get something they don't need. We don't ever get any return on what we spend. It's like throwing our money down a hole. We spend a lot of money on these events without seeing any tangible results. No public professions of faith. No baptisms. What if they take these school supplies and sell them? What if they get our school supplies and then they go to another church and get school supplies there and they go to another and they have triple the school supplies? What if they already have toys for their children at Christmas but just show up to get more, to get extra? What if they're just looking for a freebie? What if they're just looking for a handout? If we're really honest with ourselves. Many of us, me included, have asked one or more of these questions over the years. And folks, it's okay to ask questions. It's always okay to ask questions. But I guess an overarching question would be, do we want to be known as stingy sowers or extravagant farmers? Can it not be like this? We scatter the seed. We plant. Someone waters. But it is God who gives the growth because God is the one who matters. We cannot ever be certain of the growth that occurs as a result of scattering of seed. Yet our responsibility is to continue to scatter. As I told the children, I went to Walmart yesterday. And I bought these two plants. And... They're the same kind of plant, probably planted at the same time, same kind of pot, same kind of soil, in the same manner. Yet, as you can see, they do, in fact, look very different. As Eden said, this one looks like it's dying. It looks like something is wrong with it. It is very different. Now, if I was shopping to buy one of these for my home or for our church... You know, of course, which one I would choose, don't you? Exactly. I would probably spend more time than needed in order to get the very best looking, the most healthy plant that was in all of Walmart. You can ask Laura. She was with me yesterday. Which one do I get? Let me try to find just the right one. 
that's if I am a stingy consumer, which I am. If I'm extravagant, I just buy them both. And in fact, I did pay the same amount for both yesterday. I thought whenever I went through the checkout, the lady might say, um, excuse me, but this one's dead. She probably didn't even just scanned it, threw it in the bag, and I thought, oh my goodness, that's more than I thought it was going to be. Notice our scripture in the bulletin from Romans 10. Romans 10. Romans 8. Beginning of our, our, our bulletin. It tells us that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Think about that. No condemnation. You see, it doesn't matter how rocky or how thorny or how hardened or how scraggly looking you are before coming to Christ. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. So unlike this plant, we really cannot tell who might be fertile ground for the message of God's kingdom. Therefore, we really cannot with any sort of confidence pick and choose. But one thing we do know, Jesus paid the same price for both. He paid the same price for all. He paid the same price for the rocky person, the thorny person, person on the hard path, even the scraggly looking person, as he paid for you and me. He paid with his life for everyone. Extravagance toward everyone. Beautiful in his sight. Everyone. Worthy to receive the seed that we scatter. Everyone. And that's good news. Let's pray. God, our Father, it's so difficult.